Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. You're listening to The Engaging Missions Show, Episode 57 with Anthony Farrell. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we discover God's glory in what He's doing around the world. In today's episode, we talk with Anthony Farrell. You'll find the show notes at engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Farrell or slash 57 is in episode 57. In our time together, we talked about a few things, how God gave Anthony the gift of patience, what Anthony's discovered about doing things of lasting value, his perspective on being able to find the time and resources to do what needs to be done, and how he's been freed up to invest in new harvest fields while staying connected to the existing faith communities. But before we get into that interview, I want to give a quick shout out to preparemymission.com. They have some resources available for people who are interested in short-term missions. And if you're interested in that sort of thing, especially as we head toward the summer, I'd recommend that you check out some of the resource guides that they have. And then they also have some things that you can buy as you're preparing for a trip. That's preparemymission.com. And then one last thing, I'd like to give just a quick shout out to Gordy and Marva. Over the last couple of months, they've donated some money that helps me cover the cost of producing this show, the cost of hosting the files so that you can download them and some of the other things that go into this. If you're interested in joining them in that, you can make a donation by visiting engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Farrell. And right there on the show notes page is a PayPal button. Now, I do want to mention, in case you're looking for tax credit, that those donations are not tax deductible. And with that, we'll get into this week's episode. All right, let's get started. I am super excited to have Anthony Farrell on the line today. Now, Anthony attended Asbury Theological Seminary, but now God has him involved in discipleship through Field USA. And I'm looking to, forward to getting to know him just a little bit better. Okay, Anthony, I've given just a really brief introduction. Can you take a minute, tell us a little bit more about yourself and the ministry God has for you, and then we'd like to get to know you a little bit more personally. Okay. All right. Well, Brian, it's a privilege to uh, be here in conversation with you and just to share a little bit about my story and what God has called me to do. Uh, In terms of professional or full-time ministry, I've been in it since 1994. I graduated from seminary. I was in a full-time pastorate for 17 uh, years. Uh, served two churches in Michigan, one church in Indiana. It was in 2011 um, that I got connected with Field USA, which is one of the arms of the missionary church to do organic discipleship, and began to launch out into doing ministry in a more organic and discipleship-focused way. Uh, that then builds communities of disciples 
otherwise known as Ecclesia Churches. So I've been doing that since 2011 in terms of a ministry strategy, and uh, it's been a real exciting path to pursue. Okay, and for those who have been listening to the show, you probably recognize what we're talking about when we say organic church or uh, discipleship in the way that Field USA works. But Anthony, would you mind for the people that might be tuning in for the first time to just kind of share a little bit about what that means? Well, the um, the core of organic discipleship, as we call it, holds to the premise that discipleship or making disciples through investing in relationships and leading people to become mature followers of Jesus is at the core activity of what it means to be the church or to be a Christ follower. Uh, He called his original followers disciples, and he told them to go into the world and make disciples. So it's out of making disciples then that relationships get formed, and disciples connect with other disciples in uh, communities. Uh, They develop life together. They're in a discipling mission together. And so they form together ecclesia or churches, and then they make more disciples. So it's more organic in the sense that it tends to be, um, allows the structure of the community or the church to form more out of the organic nature of the relationships and the leading of the Holy Spirit. So make disciples and then out of disciples, people connect with other people, communities become formed, and thus you set in the right DNA to make more disciples. All right, good deal. Thanks for sharing that. As we get started, one of the things I'd like to hear from you is it, it speaks to motivation and to the mindset. Would you mind sharing with us a meaningful quote or a scripture and then share with us a little bit about how that shapes your behavior? Probably a motivation has been through, you know, the experience of ministry. As I look back when I was my 17 years in the pastorate, that I had a great time. I enjoyed doing it. I was called. I was blessed in the churches that I served. Um, But I saw that anything that really was very lasting or meaningful had to do with uh, discipleship. Uh, That's what really lasts. That's what really had the biggest and most significant influence. And so I go back to the Great Commission, Matthew 28, especially verse 19, when Jesus says, make disciples, uh, that's the core command. Uh, That is the verb of what we are to do. And then Jesus says to go, to baptize, and to teach, to obey. So I take that as the heart and at the core of what we're to do in um, fulfilling the Great Commission. And so when you put in discipleship, DNA, or the right activities of building relationships, it becomes then more contagious and and organic. Um, So that's in a nutshell, scripturally, a core foundation uh, and then, as you think, as you look through the book of Acts and the rest of the scriptures together, you know, from that interpretive point of view, um, weaves together a pretty coherent picture of how we're to, to live as disciples. All right, good deal. Thanks for sharing that. As we get a little bit further into this, 
what I'd like to do as we transition is to hear a little bit from you about a, a time of challenge. One of the things I find is that a lot of times these challenges connect us because we can look around the world and have what I call the Facebook effect. It looks like we're looking at everybody else's life, all of the high points of their lives. But I, I think mm. that sometimes we connect with and learn from the, the challenges in everybody's lives as well. Would you mind sharing with us a time when you faced some kind of significant challenge and what God did with you in that time? Um, sure. Yeah, there's, well, <laughs> well, we only have an hour, so I mean, <laughs> yeah. we could, I could uh, share with you several hours of challenges and failures and frustrations. Um, um, you know, when I first started out in doing this in 2011, I really went through a whole year of learning how not to do it. Uh, and my learning how not to do this was part of, of retraining or rethinking about how to do it. So there were a lot of failures and uh, frustrations in the process. I think for me, one of the biggest frustrations I had is that I really sought to make an outcome uh, with people. In other words, I would start discipling somebody and let's say person A, and I wanted them to be here to do this or to be at this level of where they're maturing or living out their life in Christ in a certain way that I I hope they would. Uh, and it usually doesn't turn out that way at all. And as I started working with people, I just found the frustrations of not being able to lead or direct or to uh, have people turn out the way that I hoped or wanted them to be. And I know that sounds uh, pretty selfish or narcissistic, and probably in a way it is, um, you know, that I, I disciple people and I've got this predetermined outcome that I want for them. And I realized that, you know what, I mean, my motives were good. I wanted to make disciples, but I had to mature and say, you, you know, God, you're going to grow people and you're going to develop them in your own way, in your own timing. And I'm just going to come alongside of them and help uh, water or help cultivate that process of your growth in, in their lives. And so after about a year, you know, I'd learned just to simply invest in people's lives and lead the direction and the outcome um, in God's hands and seek to organically just work with the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, as he sought to make disciples. Um, you know, as I've made disciples and we've seen communities and things form, uh, there have been some real heartbreaking, you know, experiences that just goes along with working with people and sin and the enemy and everything else that goes on, you know, into, you know, the journey. You know, as Paul said, you will, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, you will face many hardships. And so that that has been the case. Uh, but all of those become very fruitful times to fertilize, you know, further growth, further learning, you know, and further direction for the kingdom. So I'm being more general in my description, mm -hmm. uh, but that has been very real for me in that, in you know, in this journey or this process of doing this. You know, as you were sharing, I, one of the nuggets that kind of grabbed me was the the statement, simply investing in lives and leave the direction and the outcome in Jesus' hands. Yeah. I know I know. in my life that's a, a difficult thing to do. I suspect it is in a lot of people's lives. Do you have any tips or suggestions uh, about how to approach this? Because it's not just an action. It's also a perspective. 
Um, yeah, well, I could try because uh, <laughs> I'm continually learning, you know, about this. But I think the big thing is is for me to celebrate any level of growth that I see in a person's life and to see that as the miraculous hand of God. Uh, that is something that is great. Uh, that something is significant. I love in Zechariah chapter 4 where, um, you know, the Lord says to, to Zechariah, do not despise the day of small things or small beginnings. You know, some translations have. And so when we see those small areas of growth or transformation that take place, uh, it's really the building blocks to just further significant growth uh, in the long run, I can remember back in my first year of uh, doing this where we were working with somebody and there was just an outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the spirit of grace upon this one person's life that was bringing healing. And it was very powerful to watch. But I'm ashamed to say that as I looked at this, I really didn't focus on how significant that moment was for that person uh, because I was so task or results oriented, you know, that I didn't stop to savor and celebrate, you know, what God was doing at that moment and to see where that leads and how it directs this person and how it's going to shape their life and uh, or her life. So that was one instance. Uh, just this past week, um, I was able to sit with a guy in my community, and he's just going through a real major growth spurt through a very challenging time in his life, and probably sat with him uh, way into the evening just talking and listening and sharing. And so I'm giving that more as an example of what I do now is that, boy, when I see somebody really on this kind of growth spurt. And I don't know where it's going, but I know it's significant. Just to really tap into that, water it, uh, feed into it, see what God is doing, how he's preparing, and uh, celebrate, you know, the the small things in people's lives. At least that's one way that's helped me because I really see those to be often turning or hinge points. It's going to lead to significant things that maybe we can't pre-plan or foresee, but you just keep you just keep fanning into that flame, and you know it can can start a real uh, forest fire of the work of the Holy Spirit. Wow, that's great. the The idea of celebrating the small things that's such a hard thing to do, but. It, yeah. You're right. It's so critical. With that, I would like to go ahead and transition. We're going to move to the other end of the spectrum. So we've talked about a time of a challenge in your life. Now what I'd like to do is move to a time of revelation, whether it's a time when you had one of those, what we might call a shaft of light experience, where in sort of a moment God imparts something to you, or whether it's something that God revealed to you over a period of time. And this doesn't necessarily have to be before or after the what you shared before, but we're just looking for that time in your life. Take us to that moment share the story with us of what god showed you and how he showed it to you probably one of the biggest transitions in doing uh what i'm doing now well there's so many but uh, uh probably one of the clearest shafts of light came and i think it prepared me for uh, what i just shared with you a few moments ago is uh, me and a couple of guys i've been discipling we went down to Indiana, I live in Michigan, and we went down to Indiana to meet with a guy who I've been working with, and he's he's discipling in some uh, pretty difficult areas. 
uh, toward Terre Haute, Indiana. It's some marginalized kids, you know, some pretty rough areas. And so we met with him and and it was on a Monday morning. We were in a hotel room and we were all praying together. And the Holy Spirit, just as we were praying, really came upon me so, so heavily. And I was just in his presence very deeply for an hour or so where I just felt he was speaking to me. And he, he gave me the gift of patience. <laughs> and so I, I, it's hard to describe, but he basically he basically said that, that you know, you're in something so much bigger and more difficult than you could ever handle within your natural abilities. And so he gave me this, this gift just to be able to take things as they come and to find God's grace and his work in the midst of, you know, what can be hundreds and hundreds of challenging issues that you're going to face, you know, over a given period of time. As you work with people, as you're on significant learning curves of learning how to organically develop communities and make disciples. But there was just a grace that came upon me. I wasn't seeking it. I wasn't looking for it. I didn't necessarily ask for it. It's just, I think, within the call he gave me. And I go back to that repeatedly, you know, that as I'm faced with things I don't understand or very difficult or would want to challenge me to be overly discouraged or lose my cool or something, just to go back to the grace, you know, that he had given to me, that he's given me the patience to walk steadily through what I need to, to walk through and allow him to impart wisdom and and simply take care of what I can take care of, you know, in my own strength or wisdom or understanding. Wow. I think that's probably the first time I've ever heard somebody say that God gave them the gift of patience in a in an experience like that. that that's great. My experience has always been that God stretches my patience, and uh, that that's really cool that God did that in your life. Without... Well, he's still stretching my patience, too, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. they, they work hand in hand. I think maybe I'm, I'm able to be stretched a little more, possibly, but uh, yeah. That is powerful. With that, I would like to go ahead and move to the present day. I'd like to hear a little bit about something that is going on in your ministry, either maybe something that's got you really excited right now, or maybe something that you see coming in the future. Well, I think the exciting thing now is that, uh, you know, I've been working with a community, a group of disciples uh, for about two, two and a half years. Uh, we formed more of a community where we started a meeting together a little over two years ago. And so now I finally see that um, uh, the community is more taking ownership of itself. Uh, we're, we're, we now are establishing a direction team. Some men have been uh, appointed, and we're going to commission them here in a couple of weeks. And so it really sets me free to to go into more uncharted or or newer fields of ministry while I'm still connected to the community that I've been working with. It really liberates me to do more uh, mission and going out and to do new things uh, that, that the Lord might have. So uh, that, that's been very exciting for me. So what that means and translates to is that I, I get to more focus on uh, new adventures of uh, planning, you know, God's story into people's lives, 
uh, seeing people, you know, grow up in Christ, connecting them to existing communities or starting new communities. Uh, also, I've been given the opportunity in the to do some training of some people, um, groups to help them accelerate or to start up what they believe God wants them to do in a more organic way. So that's been really cool and uh, pretty exciting uh, to be at this place. But also, it's quite challenging, too. So I would imagine so. And it sounds like you have a lot going on. Uh, as as we talked in our, our our short chat before we flipped on the mic and started recording, um, you know, one of the questions I asked was whether you were in vocational ministry or bivocational ministry. And I, I know now that you're in the marketplace and that you also do ministry. And I don't necessarily think of those as being separate in your lives, but for some people it might feel that way. In particular, maybe people who are called to the marketplace um, and they, you know, they're connected to missionaries, they're connected to the church body as a whole, but maybe they're starting to wonder if what they're doing for the kingdom really matters. Could you share what you might tell somebody in that situation? Yeah, I think I, I think I understand where people come from. Uh, you know, I came from, I've come from a perspective where for 17 years I did full-time ministry and, and that was great. I enjoyed it. Um, you know, it was, it was a good experience. Uh, I think the vantage point or maybe the advantage I have from this perspective to where, you know, I I basically earn my income, you know, in the marketplace and then do the organic discipleship um, kind of in a non-compensated, um, you know, form or, or place is that I think, first of all, I've learned to fuse them together. Uh, I think that oftentimes as I'm doing ministry in the marketplace, it can translate, it can overlap into what I'm doing with organic discipleship. Maybe the people I meet, the lessons I learn, or um, the time that I'm able to spend perhaps maybe as I'm traveling on the road, uh, doing, you know, doing my marketplace work. I'm also able to use that time, you know, to have conversations with people or to be training myself, both with books I listen to in my car. So I've been able to fuse, you know, the time together uh, that it, that in no way distracts from what I need to do with, you know, my marketplace work. So I can kind of combine them. But I think secondly, is that as people that I lead, you know, they see me doing what I do in the marketplace. I think it encourages them to know that they can do it too. That that through the rhythms of life, through, you know, the providential order of God's grace, he has given us everything we need and all the time we need to do the ministry that he's called us to do. And so we're able to then you know, depend upon him to see the rhythms that he's established and find out how we make disciples within those rhythms. And I think part of the advantage of that comes is that we have to be, you know, pretty disciplined and focused with our time, uh, that the impacts that we make have to be real. They have to be of the Lord. They have to be pretty solid. Um, not that we can always determine, you know, or measure what that's going to be, but we can't be spinning around in a lot of circles, wasting time because, you know, we have less time to waste when we're doing that. So I think it allows us to, 
make the biggest impact uh, because we have lesser time to do it. And in doing that, I think it sets a, a good foundation so that ministry can uh, continue to to develop and get to the point where it's multiplying. Thanks for sharing that. And I th- I think that my experience in some ways mirrors yours, not so much because I, I live the same kind of life, but because being in the marketplace and also being a minister, um, not in, not in a staff position in a church or anything like that, but, you know, being that whole person trying to be who I am in every situation and take advantage of those opportunities is, is definitely challenging and it definitely places demands on my time and also my, my priorities. Yeah. Have you developed any, any particular strategies or maybe um, a, a way that you make decisions about how you're going to invest your time? Well, I think so. Uh, this is, again, that was kind of that first year I started doing organic discipleship and realizing uh, that, uh, well, to be honest, in that first year, I was starting to burn out uh, because I think I took an older model or paradigm of being a staff or um you know, you know the staff model of ministry, and I tried to do organic discipleship within that framework because that's what I knew. So I had to more hone in on what is it that I'm called to do? What is God's design? What is his gifting? What is his role for me? And as I came to understand that role or gifting or design, uh, I was then able to make more prioritized decisions on what it is that I'm going to do and not going to do. And uh, so I think as you come to understand more who you are in God's role, uh, a big, a, a very important thing for us or model for us that we use in FUSAs, the uh, APEST, you know, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, and teacher. And when you can understand maybe where you fit within one of those roles or maybe you work within a couple of them, you know, we're not saying that you're only limited to one, but maybe one's more of a priority, another one's secondary. Then you can better make decisions on what you're to do and then work with others and building them up so that they can complement uh, the role that you have, or you can even complement what they're going to do as God leads them. Do, do you find that you have to sometimes say no to opportunities that seem to be coming your way? Oh, absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's, I think you probably know this as well, Brian, there's so many things that come our way, so many things we could do. Uh, but given the time and then also given, you know, where God has really called us in the sweet spot of ministry, so to speak, you know, where we make that biggest impact, we have to we have to say no to some some other things. Yeah. You know, I wasn't I wasn't thinking I was headed to this place when I asked that question, but I just have this sense that maybe there are some people listening who are feeling condemned because they've said no to something. And I just want to say that that's not from God. You know, condemnation doesn't come from God. The accuser of the brethren is not God. Yes, you need to take advantage of the opportunities that God brings to you, but don't ever feel guilty if if you feel like God's leading you in another direction. Jesus actually left a place of ministry because the Holy Spirit directed him elsewhere. 
Yeah. And I just, I don't know why that came up, but I just have this sense that somebody needs to hear that. With that, Anthony, this, this isn't supposed to be my interview, so I want to go ahead and move, move ahead and focus on God's story in your life and more specifically focus a little bit on some of your perspective and getting some, some of what I call the speed round answers. This is where I get to ask you some amazing questions and you come back with amazing answers. Does that sound like a plan? <laughs> I may I'm have. sure your questions will be good. We'll see how my responses are. Okay. Well, I had plenty of time to think out the questions, and I ask a lot of them at the same time, so that's really not fair. What's one thing you wish you would have known before you started out? Uh, started out when? Organic, uh, 2011? Yeah, let's go with started out organic. Okay. Um, I think I would have wish I would have known more the nature of the apostolic role and how that's being recovered or recaptured uh, within the organic discipleship movement. That goes a lot to the question uh, or to the issue we talked about uh, just before, you know, your your question. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, um, uh, just recently in terms of being overloaded or overtaxed, probably, oh, about a month ago, I found myself embroiled in a, a lot of situations and challenges within our community. And my role tends to be a little more apostolic, I think. Uh, but I have a person within our community who is a prophet and serves pretty powerfully in that role. And this person, you know, told me that I'm stepping more out of my focus and that I need to get into my focus. And in other words, driving the lane that God's called me to. And so that's been a continual theme. And I think if I could go back, you know, to the 2011 where my paradigm was shifting, I think understanding that lane or that role in a more clear fashion, um, you know, would have been would have been more helpful. However, I don't know how well I could have understood it. Uh, just by somebody explaining it to me, because I think some things you have to grow in through experience. Yeah. Looking back over the years, and this could be all of the years, what's one thing you wish you would have done differently? I think one of the things is to, and I'm trying to learn to do, is to ask more questions, uh, which, by the way, you're doing a very good job at. You know, I think to ask more questions, to listen, uh, to observe to reflect, to see where the Holy Spirit's moving in ways that may be more difficult to see because our eyes have been trained uh, to to more look in a you know uh, a more worldly or success oriented focus. So I think that's something that, uh, looking back, um, you know, I think that would have been a, a bigger thing to be highlighted in in my life. Okay. What's the best advice you've ever received? Um, That's a hard one. I don't really (laughs) know. I think they've always come in such layers through the years. The best advice might depend on the time that it was given and what it did for me, you know, at the time or, you know, where my life was at at a particular phase. I think, I think the probably in terms of the latest, um, the latest advice or guidance I've had, and it goes back to what I've already stated is, you know, the importance of staying in your lane, mm. being who you are, 
being who you are in Christ, being who you are in his design for your life, your calling, to know where you can really have your greatest impact with people's lives, but then to realize that you're you're, you need to leave other impacts and other imprints on, you know, with the ministry of other people to make in other people's lives that we do ministry as a team. And it's not going to be, a, a you know, something to where there's one key person, but Jesus Christ is the only person. And we all just have different ways that we have the privilege of impacting people as we work together as the body or as the team. And I, I think that's a, a big focus I, I have right now. And, and um, I think people have been working with me on that, and it's been good. All right. Do you have a personal habit, something that you do regularly that you believe contributes to what God's done in your life? I think early on, I remember uh, this was even in the pastorate, a huge thing for me, the most important thing is really my family. Um, it's out of really ministry with my family, uh, staying close and connected to my wife, to my children, uh, building them up, staying spiritually, emotionally strong and healthy with my family, that that builds a, a much bigger reservoir of the ministry that I have with other people. And, and now I find as my, you know, my kids are getting older and, and my wife and I have grown, you know, in our ministry, that the impact they have along beside of me pays huge dividends. And so if I stay close to my family and stay connected, we're having our meal times together, we're having our recreation times together, we're talking together, we're relating well together, we're enjoying life together, we're laughing together. That's a pretty important barometer of uh, my spiritual health and it helps keep me grounded. And then it also pays dividends, you know, to the ministry we do together. You know, I, I typically I get answers like I, I try to spend time in prayer or I read a lot or things like that. I think you're the first person I've talked to in over 50 interviews now who's brought up the family connection as not only a barometer, but also a source of strength in their life. And what you're talking about is exactly the, the type of thing that my wife and I are trying to do with our family as well. So I'm, I'm really glad to hear that because I, even for me, even though that's a focus in our life, I'd never really thought of that as being a source of strength, a conduit of grace. So that encourages me. So thank you. Cool. Do you have an internet resource, something that you use regularly that you'd like to share with our listeners? I, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of a big Twitter fan. Uh, and I, you, you know, I like to develop, uh, different people I follow on Twitter. Okay. Uh, from Neil Cole to Alan Hirsch, uh, to, uh, I even like, you know, some, some guys like Ed Stetzer, you know, he's not exactly doing the same kind of thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I like to, you know, I like to develop a Twitter list of people that I follow. And, uh, or, and you know, then I can turn into that list and look at some of the things they're saying, their writing, their quotes, uh, some of their ideas. And that tends to be a really helpful tool. And it really summarizes a whole lot of information that's out there and just puts it in a list you know that and so that's one of the advantages of twitter so i i really like twitter a lot for those kind of things and so if you can find people that challenge you that give you insight that uh, provide different perspectives 
Uh, Twitter's a Twitter's is a really uh, cool resource to develop for that kind of thing. Okay. Um, do you have a book that you recommend for our listeners? You know, I really like the works of Alan Hirsch. Uh, he's got some great stuff. Uh, Neil Cole's uh, Organic Church or Church 3.0. Though I don't agree with everything in it, and I'm not hyped about everything those guys have written. It's got they've got some really cool stuff. Uh, so I like their works a lot, and I tend to go to them. I learned a lot by uh, reading uh, Finding Organic Church. And I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Uh, that that really spoke a lot to me. Uh, I read, read it about a year ago, and I did a lot to inform my thinking. Um, so those have been a few resources that have been pretty helpful. Okay. And for those listening, if you're driving to work or you're working out right now or something, don't worry about writing down these resources. Just stop by engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Farrell, and we'll have all of that there for you. I did also want to mention that Farrell is F-E-R-R-I-E-L-L. That's where it'll be is engagingmissions.com slash Anthony Farrell. Now, Anthony, we're almost done. We've just got a, probably a couple of questions left, uh, and I'd like to shift the focus just a tiny bit and go back a little bit deeper this is our chance to learn a little bit more from your perspective and your experience. What would you tell somebody who looks up in the U.S. and realizes that they're, they're just starting to have this realization that they are surrounded by people, uh, some of whom have come from other cultures, places we might have only sent missionaries years ago, and some of whom have been around them for quite some time, but they're starting to realize that these people need Christ. What would you tell them? Well, I think... Uh... I think to realize that we have a great opportunity within the United States. Uh, some people are becoming, you know, quite discouraged with the shifts and challenges uh, culturally, uh, population-wise, with, uh, you know, different things related to the immigration debates and all that kind of stuff, uh, because our world is changing significantly, but by the hand of of God, it's it's providential, and that there's opportunities to be seized, and that where we see uh, the darkness becoming even more dark, uh, that's where the light becomes even brighter and becomes more needed to share. And so I think we need to see opportunities rather than uh, uh, negativities. Uh, going on. Yes, yes, you know, there are some very discouraging things, uh, but the gospel is works its best uh, and works optimally for those whose lives are failing and whose lives are in darkness. Uh, that's what the gospel is designed for. That's truly good news. And so I think if we can start to see the great opportunities before us, uh, it really gives the opportunity for Christ to be more ultimately glorified and lifted up so that people can see him. Yeah. Now, Anthony, we're almost done. We've got just, I think, probably one more question, and uh, then, we'll, then we'll be saying goodbye. What I'd like to get is maybe just one parting piece of guidance, maybe something that you would share with somebody, um, and then a way that people can connect with you, and then we will be saying goodbye. Okay. I think simply, you know, it goes simply to this. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branch. And if anyone, if you want to bear much fruit, you need to remain in him. And so the, my simple parting device is, is be the branch. Uh, just remain connected to Jesus. 
and do that in that full connection, that full openness uh, to what he wants to speak, to what he wants to do, staying close to him with all the means of grace and resources and support that he gives. And he'll bear fruit in our lives. It really is as simple as that. I think the hard part is is that we, we try to add a lot of stuff to that. And uh, we make it... Uh, I don't know, more controlled or uh, less organic and less natural than it needs to be. And so focus on him. He wants to do more through us than we want to have have him do through us. Uh, he wants success for his kingdom more than we want success for his kingdom. So remain close to him and trust in his timing, trust in his way, and he's going to take care of the rest. Okay, and is there a way for people to connect with you? Um. You know, if they would like to connect uh, my uh, email, perhaps. Okay. You know, that would be a way to do that, um, which is A-J-F-E-R-R-I-E-L-L at gmail.com. And I've got some blogs. I've got some uh, uh, Facebook and other resources and things that I do, as well as Twitter that uh, people can connect with if they want to um, find some resources or or find out a little bit further about um, what's happening with the, the ministry God's led me to. Okay. And would you like for people to connect you with you directly to find those links, or is that something you'd like to send to me and have included in the show notes? Totally up to you. Uh, but I can send those to you, and and, the, and uh, you can include those in the show no, show notes. Okay, I'd be glad to do that. Anthony, uh, thank you so much. It's been great to get to know you and to hear what God's been doing in your life and to learn what He's through what He's done in you. Brian, it's been a privilege. I've enjoyed talking with you, and uh, God bless you and your ministry. And I look forward to hoping this interview will be a blessing to your listeners. And it's been a great encouragement to talk with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Missions show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us an honest rating and review in iTunes by visiting engagingmissions.com slash iTunes. Your feedback could be what helps another person connect with what God is doing around the world. 